Welcome to today's Church Central podcast. We're a family of churches across Birmingham. To find out more, head to churchcentral.org.uk. I want you to imagine that we are remaking this story as a feature film. Okay, a modern day, engaging, retelling in cinematic form. I'm looking around, I imagine it's going to be quite arty and highbrow, just knowing my audience. But anyway, your task for now is to choose an image for the promotional poster for this film. Okay, the one, it's going to be up on billboards. It's capturing the essence of the story. It's drawing people's interests, okay? There's going to be some ideas up on the screen now for you to choose from. Next slide. They might be a little small. I hope you can just about see some of those, but you, you might want to choose one of these. You might want to imagine your own. And the one that you choose might be very different from mine because it depends which elements of the story you want to foreground in your feature film, in your version. Okay. So as Helena's going to come up and, and, and read for us, but as you listen, start thinking. For this feature film, what would your billboard poster look like? One day, an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbour as yourself. The man wanted to justify his actions. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbour? Jesus replied to this story. A Jewish man was travelling from Jerusalem down to Jericho and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Mount Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he, hand, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, Take care of this man. If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now which of these three would you say was a neighbour to the man who was attacked by bandits, Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes, now go and do the same. Oh, thank you so much. There is something for everyone, isn't there? There's drama, strong characters. Well, I don't know if anyone picked the, the TV studio debate, imagining Jesus and the, the expert of the law arguing. There's jeopardy and suspense, and moments of close human connection, an identity reveal, and a resolution. For Christians, I guess, people who follow the teller of this story, 
there are a few key elements I think we would want to foreground. So I think the identity reveal would be one for sure. The big question this film would be asking would be, who is this neighbor? And the answer is kind of epic and profound. It's anyone in need. It's what I've, I've picked a variety of people on there because it could be anyone, not just anyone. A little background knowledge is important here because the neighbor is a Samaritan. And the Samaritans weren't just strangers to Jesus' original Jewish audience. Yeah, they were enemies. So the neighbor is revealed in the final scenes to be. What's he revealed to be? I've lost it. <laughs> An enemy. He's revealed to be the ultimate outsider. And of course, the twist. The outsider, the enemy here, isn't the receiver of love and kindness. Not this time. He's the giver of love and kindness. He's revealed as the unlikely hero of the whole film. That's why there's a knight in shining armor. There was a Lego Superman, but I've deleted him or something by accident. But anyway, I think we would also want to make sure that our final edit highlighted the kind of love that's involved in the central action here. Because in Jesus' version, loving your neighbor is really active. The Samaritan gets off his donkey, he tends wounds, he picks up a wounded man from the floor. Um, it's also generous and inconvenient to the point of being sacrificial. He's got to walk while someone else is on his donkey. He delays his journey, he risks his own safety, and he takes risks with his money, leaving an open tab for some guy that he's just met. So I think in, in our setting or our camera angles, our script writing, we'd want to foreground those elements. Active, generous, inconvenient, sacrificial love for outsiders who turn out to be neighbors. And it will be a gripping 90 minutes watch. What's more, I think we probably agree this morning, it, it's okay if you don't, but I think many of us here would, that loving our neighbor in the ways that Jesus taught is key to serving our community and serving our city well. Because our communities are full of people in need. And an active, generous, inconvenient, sacrificial love shown to anyone in need is surely a powerful and effective response. Okay, so far so good. Jesus said, go and do likewise. So off I go. In my experience, however, life doesn't always play out like a feature film. My role in it is far from heroic, and this commandment can be difficult to put into practice. So let me share an example. There was a woman who used to sit outside the place where I worked. Um, she'd be there quite often, she'd be on the ground asking for money. She's obviously quite poorly and, and unkempt. So I used to talk to her, I'd go, I'd go over and um, I'd bring her food, perhaps, or I'd give her gloves when it was cold, that sort of thing. We'd chat, I got to know her name, I tried to be friendly and I'd pray for her. As time went on, it just got a bit more difficult. She really only wanted money from me. It's not because she was greedy. It wasn't helping her. I think, really, she was being controlled by someone else. 
um, and she was sent out to, to make money for someone else. So a hot drink and some gloves for me was just not cutting it, wasn't helping her. And I, I thought about signposting her somewhere or taking her somewhere, but her English wasn't great and she was really suspicious and wary. And it got really awkward and it got really hard. So just sometimes I gradually started to leave work a different way. That was easier. But depending on where I'd parked the car on any given day, that meant crossing the road. You see where I'm going here? It meant crossing the road so I could walk by on the other side to avoid her. Now, I don't know if any of these pictures represent those guys in the story who crossed the road and walked by on the other side, but they were not the ones that Jesus was endorsing. And I was a bit broken, really, by that. So the roles got a bit less clear and the storyline longer and messier. The action for my feature film was kind of flawed and ambiguous and unresolved. I'd really gone off script. It's kind of morphing into, I don't know, let's call it a drama mini-series with a sort of an ending that hangs there. It's one without a hero. So... I was hindered, wasn't I, by lack of time and resources, to be sure, and a lack of confidence, the competing demands on my time, and the complexities of this lady's situation, yes. But also by the failings in my character that affected the quality of my love. It was costly to continue confronting distress and need without having a solution to offer. I was too selfish to keep on doing so. Hmm. Can we find a solution together? Can we move on together? I'm not here as any kind of expert this morning. Okay, I've received and I continue to receive more inspiration and wisdom and guidance from those people out there than I could hope to give back. That, that's not what this is about. I have spent some time pulling together ideas and ways of thinking that might help us all to grow together in our love. Um, it's a story of two parts. You're about to see them on the screen. Here they are. Things I do to move forward. I look for encouragements and opportunities in the everyday. And I look for ways to grow. I look for encouragements and opportunities in the everyday, and I look for ways to grow. So let's start in the everyday, looking for um, encouragements and opportunities, because thankfully, others have gone before us in putting this beautiful command of Jesus into practice in their daily life, in all their human brokenness. Because we know the very first churches needed guidance on how to love and serve others because Paul that's the guy who founded those churches and cared for them and wrote to them with advice he wrote about it a lot and we know I cannot thank the worship band enough today because they've really back, back, picked up my point on this we know he assumed Jesus vision of active generous inconvenient sacrificial love would pervade their lives because he said each of you should look not only to 
your own interests, but to those of others. And your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. Now, like we were singing before, like we were singing before, that is Jesus who died for others, who poured himself out for others. So the quality of love um, and the level of sacrifice that Paul has in mind couldn't be higher. So far, we're in tune with Jesus' story. But we also find, when we look carefully, that Paul's instructions on loving well are really hard to separate from his instructions on living well. That is, they're scattered throughout his letters. They're interwoven with other instructions on how to treat other Christians, how to use your money, how to speak to people, how to behave in public, how to take care of your family, how to make a living, how to share the gospel, how to respond to crisis and distress, how to run your household well. In other words, how to live day in and day out as Christians in your community. If you like, I'm stretching this analogy. We sort of move from a feature film to a fly-on-the-wall reality TV show. From the epic theme to the mundane detail. Now, there's some pictures coming up, and I fully expect at the back you won't be able to see them very well. But it almost doesn't matter, because they're meant to be anywhere and everywhere. Shops, supermarkets, friends, park benches, churches, anywhere. Time and again, Paul urges Christians to live a life of love. That's the Ephesian church. Or be devoted to one another in brotherly love. It's the Christians at Rome. Time and again, he fleshes it out in really different ways. I've prepared a little selection of bits out of his letters. I'm not going to read them all. But you'll see that they touch on those things I mentioned, on working with your hands and doing something useful, on sharing. Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. I'll let you have a look through. Because I think there's good news for me here in the detail. It's not a list of challenges. I'm not asking you to memorize these, that, that we all have to do this all the time. No. Paul writes different instructions for different moments. Different churches had different situations and different giftings and different needs in front of them. They weren't all on the road to Jericho with a wounded man. They were going about their day-to-day -day life. And some of the, they're all important, don't get me wrong. Some of them are repeated. But they're often very general. I think the first one is really helpful. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart. Not those in the caring professions, work at it with all your heart. Not those who are paid to work full-time for their church, work at it with all your heart. Not those who work for charities, helping those in direst need and volunteer at the homeless shelter at weekends and adopt puppies too. Work at it with all your heart. Though please do. You are wonderful people, all of those, and we need you. But I don't think Paul puts more emphasis on those things than on any other type of work or service. There isn't just one blueprint for a life of love. 
It's required of everyone, whatever they do. And that would suggest it's within reach of everyone, whatever they do. So if you have written yourself out of serving your city, and you switch off when you see that, you know the little logo where it's communities again, because you don't see yourself in that picture. Perhaps you find it overwhelming, or you've had a bit of a failure like mine, or it's just a million miles from your gifting, or let's be honest, you just don't want to. I want you to write yourself back in, starting in the everyday. If you have a job that demands a lot and it doesn't leave you much time for other things and you're doing it well as though working for the Lord, that counts. You're loving your neighbour and you're serving your city. Please keep going. If you are deeply moved by some of the need that you encounter, but the only meaningful response you can make right now is to give some of your money Donate it to charity, perhaps. That counts. You're loving your neighbor, and you're serving your city, and I want you to keep going. <coughs> Maybe you work really hard at taking care of others in your family or your church family, and that just takes most of your time and energy. Or maybe you love to show kindness and generosity, but you're really busy, so you can just only do it when the opportunity arises. It's a time-to-time -time kind of thing. Maybe you're much better at emotional or relational care than practical stuff, but you rejoice and mourn with other people when they need a friend. Maybe you cannot see any direct link between your work and your community. The best anyone could say about you is that you're decent and honest and people find you easy to be around. You've won their respect. Maybe you love to debate and discuss politics with your friends and colleagues and you're good at looking out for chances to share Jesus' words and how he's impacted your worldview. Well, every single one of those counts. You're loving your neighbor. You're serving your community. I want you to keep going. I want you to value what you and what others already do. Nurture it. Be eager for opportunities to do more of it. Because we need every kind of gifting and, and people in every part of this city if we're going to serve it well and holistically. I want you to find encouragement and opportunities in the everyday. So I've taken the liberty of stealing all your good ideas and putting them into a list, a really big list, of things you might be doing or want to try. In one moment, on my signal and not before, because I'm a teacher and I know how this goes, you're going to receive a piece of paper with all sorts of bright ideas on it. It will have a colored border. They're not all the same color, but just take the one you get that's passed along to you. Your first task, spend a few quiet moments reading or skimming the list. Is there an idea that catches your interest? Would you like to try it? Why? Or why not? Okay, lovely friends, if you've got a bundle of those pages, pass them along. There's approximately one each. Is there one idea that catches your interest? Would you like to try it? 
Why or why not? You've got about two minutes. I'm so sorry to draw you back from these animated conversations. And there are four different colors. And I will email all four sheets to anyone who would like one, but there's something I would rather you do. Actually, I'd rather that after this service or on your community group or whatever, you find someone who had a different color again from you and ask them again. Because actually, it's in the sh I think that would be a nicer way to share, rather, right, really, than me just sending. But I will, if you'd like me to email them, I will as well. I do want to pull us back for a moment, though, from our reality TV show that's capturing the everyday opportunities available and think about our feature film again. Because although the things I'm already doing and you're already doing um, to love our neighbours are of great value, I think it would be a shame simply to stop there. Personally, I think it would be a shame for me to settle for being the kind of neighbor I am right now for the rest of my life. Because I know that Jesus wants to help me become more and more like him, which would mean becoming a more and more loving person and can only be good for me. But I think more relevant for us this morning, it would be a shame for our city because I simply don't think the need for neighborly love in our city is being met. I think we need more. That is, just as I encountered a neighbor in great need and, and didn't really know how to help, at some point we're all going to encounter great need. We might encounter poverty or deep loneliness or ill health or abuse. People exploited and trapped and destitute like the lady I met. Um, one of these could be in your office or your street. And while every small act of kindness is powerful and precious, I don't think me litter picking in the park every Wednesday for the rest of my life, and only that, is necessarily enough. If we're going to live up to Jesus' standard of active, generous, inconvenient, sacrificial love, for every outsider, for people not like us and hard to reach across our whole big, broken, needy city, we are going to need to grow. Look for ways to grow. So in my encounter with, with that lady that I befriended for, for a short time, I, I ran into limits in my practical resources, didn't I? My, my time and money and solutions. But I also ran into limits in my character. I wasn't as patient or faithful or kind as I could have been. I need to grow in practical ways and I need to grow in love. To be honest, I don't tend naturally towards an ever-increasingly active, generous, inconvenient, sacrificial love. Not at all. If I want to grow into a better neighbor, and I do, I need to be intentional about it, and I need your help and encouragement. So would you be willing to walk through a little process with me? <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Vicky. 
I've pulled it together about last week, but based on trial and error over a much longer time. It's just one suggestion, but I wonder if it would help us. Do brace yourself, it's quite complicated stuff, okay? I think we start to grow when we do something, pray and reflect, and do it again. I mean, I know it's basically rocket science, but you know, it's Church Central South, we can handle it. I'm going to add some detail and some layers in just a moment, but I think we could probably agree on the basic principle. We only really get better at something when we try it and learn from those experiences and try it again. That is how we learn. Perhaps we become more adept at spotting opportunities to show love or more skilled at caring for others or we know more about the other services we could call on for help. Even our time and money might increase as we practice being organized or budgeting well. Okay, so I need to grow in those practical ways and I need to grow in love and I'm going to attempt it by doing something, praying and reflecting and doing it again. That can seem a little counterintuitive, I think, to be so intentional and planned. Because as Christians, I think we sometimes think, and it's quite rightly, it's the Holy Spirit. It's God living and working in us who changes us. He makes us more like Jesus. He helps us grow. Well, it's true. When Paul helps the church with Galatia, he, he, he gives them a list of characteristics that are needed for loving well. And he calls them explicitly the fruit of the Spirit. It is the Spirit that makes them grow, the Holy, the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read them all, but they'll, they'll appear up here. And I think, yeah, love, joy, peace, goodness, so on. I think they would be quite useful if we tried to love others, wouldn't you? Thank you. If you want to know a little bit more about them, there's a great series of talks on the, the Church Central website. It's called Fruitful. In particular, I've been thinking about Rich's talk. Um, he, he, he explains that love really is the one that encompasses all the ones that follow. These are what love in action looks like. And yes, they are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. So where does all my doing and reflecting come into it? Paul also advises the church to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. Implies some kind of action, a movement. Suggests doing the kind of things that God wants us to do. Putting this command to love others into practice. After all, real fruit, like apples and stuff. Because I'm a gardener and I'm... I wouldn't know. But it, grow, it, it doesn't just appear, does it? It grows over time with care and nurture and tending. So perhaps love and kindness and gentleness need some care and nurture and tending. Kind of hard to imagine how the Holy Spirit would make me a more patient person if I never did anything that requires patience. Or how he would grow goodness in me if I never tried to do anything good. So I do something, and I pray. I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love while I'm doing it. Okay, so far so good, but what about this reflecting? What's my part? Not just in the doing, but in the growing. 
Well, I like to reflect and think because I think there's more than one way to grow in acts of loving kindness. We can certainly increase what we're doing. We can put in more time or money or effort. But increasing is not the only means of growth. Otherwise, 10 years from now, we will be cruising parks at midnight trying to find more litter to pick up because we've just got to do more. <laughs> and some of you are weary and thinking, no one tell me to do more. That's okay. Increase is not the only way to grow. I think we can also develop or connect as ways of growing. Um, I'm going to come to examples really soon to, to explain what I mean by that, but just to see how it fits together. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit will increase my love, but I'm also pondering, reflecting whether I can increase the ways I love others or develop them or connect them. So let's have an example. Forget the feature film. This one starts more of a farce. You're going to love it. Picture me on my son's first full day of school. I wave goodbye. I look around at the, the, the vista of community building opportunities opening up in front of me. This is it. It's the little aside on the end of every sermon application you ever heard. You know it. You can put this into practice at work or at home or if you're a mum at the school gate. Well, there I am at the school gate. People to smile at, friends to make. So, I put my head down and I run, which is not easy with a pushchair, but I manage it because I've been dreaming of this day and I'm desperate for it when I get to walk home quietly through the park and make it to my toddler's nap time and be alone. So I scatter my poor, un, very unaware neighbours in my wake don't feel like I have a lot to offer. It's not a roaring success, and there is ample space for the Holy Spirit to help me grow in skills and in love. So I start small. I do something, and I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love. I talk to just one or two people. I find out pretty quickly that there are a lot of international mums and, and dads at our school, and actually they find it quite hard to connect sometimes if they're not super confident in English. Well, I used to teach English as a second language. So maybe that's a gift I could use here. I reflect and I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love. Now, I know I'm a bit better in a structured, a bit better in a structured situation than just ad hoc in the playground. That's how I communicate best. So maybe that's a strength to build on. But I also know I ran away with my pushchair, not just to make you laugh, okay, but there was a real reason. I was so low in capacity. I'm a natural introvert, and I have a toddler at home full time. Is this the moment to fill my life with new people? So I wait. Just for about a year. But then I do something again, asking the Holy Spirit to increase my love. I invite just a few friends from international backgrounds to come and meet regularly for English conversation and friendship. And a few of us start meeting up, and it's mostly about coffee and cake, and it's just a few of us, but we start. So I reflect. I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love, and I ask, can it grow? 
Can it increase? Well, yeah, easily. I can invite more people. So I do, and others do. It's really good. We have a growing group of international friends, and we hang out regularly, and we chat in English. Now, in terms of time, we decrease. Okay? We used to meet weekly, and now it's fortnightly, because that, that was what was realistic. So I reflect again, and I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love, and I ask, can it develop? Well, yes. Meeting a bit less often means I can put a little bit more time into thinking and praying. And trust can grow over time. So friendships naturally deepen and I plan a bit more for what we're going to do. And English conversation shifts to English discussion or debate. Or folk tales or testimony or Bible stories or advice and sharing of lives. So the community is growing but just gradually deepening too. And let's please, please, let's be really clear. I think and I plan a little bit. And then all my wonderful neighbours come and bless me. I'm the one receiving love in this story. I flipped, I flipped the script completely. I really get so much more than I give. But I reflect again. I ask the Holy Spirit to increase my love. The group has increased and it's developed. Can it connect? Well, Yes. We connect to my community group because they pray for us. They pray for my English conversation friends. We connect to the church family through friendship. And thank you, God, for the Shenley community group. We connected together in December at a special Christmas event um, with crafts and carols and fun stuff. So friends from here connected with friends from here and met something of Jesus' community. Well, so much for the practical side, the increase, develop, connect. What about this generous love, this character marked by the fruits of the Spirit? No big claims. I'm proving to be, let's call me a reluctant cactus rather than a lush orchard fruit. It's a long road. The Holy Spirit's at work in spending time with people from all over the world who have stories different from mine. I've grown in gentleness through the grace of God. Because he's shown me that you damage people when you're not gentle. And you don't take time to hear their story and, you know, you make assumptions about them. So I am more gentle now than I used to be. Pretty small step. But I hope it equips me for the next increase or develop or connect. So I want, I want to end somewhere very practical, and I'm, I'm going to narrate this out loud so Johnny can, you know, rein me in if, if time's going wrong. Here's where we're going. I'm going to share some ways that we can increase, increase, develop, connect. Not exhaustive, there's so many more. In a moment, and not before, you're going to receive a piece of paper with those ideas, and you need to share these between a, a group. It's totally fine to sit quietly. No one will mind. But if you would be able to, you feel happy to, I'd like you to look at those sheets together and share your first thoughts. And quite quickly, I'd like you to move to, if you can, maybe just one or two of you, saying, yeah, that one's for me. It's okay if none of them leap out or you're not ready. It's fine, just chat. But if you can say, that one's for me, I want to do that. Ask the people in your group to pray for you. 
So the questions are, I can't remember what the questions are, so I gotta wait for, yeah, how would you increase, develop, connect? Which one's for you? And pray. And then I will speak for about 30 more seconds after we're done. I'm gonna give you five minutes for that. I'm gonna interrupt for a moment because I think my little confusion, con confu <laughs> whoops, that's a Freudian slip. My little conclusion <laughs> will help us pray. Um, this is the picture, full circle, this is the picture I chose for my feature film poster. Well, Vicky, great minds think alike. It's a good one. Look at that, cross-cultural references, it's very highbrow here. I chose this one because it has very little detail, because I still don't know the end of my feature film. I don't know where my friend who sat on the road has ended up. I don't know which role I'm in. But I can see these hands. I do know that I'm praying God will send someone else to reach out a hand of kindness to her somewhere, somehow. And I'm praying for the next person. We don't know who that would be. The next person I reach out or you reach out a hand of kindness to that we'll be ready and equipped to help. I'm praying that God will kind of take our hands as we try to walk in step with him on this. I don't worry, I'm not going to ask you all to hold hands, but I am praying, can if you want, I am praying that we would reach out helping hands to each other as we look for opportunities in our everyday and as we find ways to grow. So if you can dig deep and find the final stamina, only if you're comfortable, would you pray for each other? Perhaps for the specifics of your situation, perhaps just for the next person that we're going to reach out a hand to help.